Welcome, everyone, to episode 311 of After the Credits. I am one of your co-hosts, Marina Antunes, joined today by fellow co-hosts. Steve Stebbing. Bill Harris. And Melissa McDowell. The team is back together. Yes. Feels like it's been a while since we've all been back together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it has been. Yeah, it has to it has to have been because I because I missed October and Melissa missed November. So, yeah. yeah. The yeah. band is reformed. Reformed back together for Saltburn. I, I was going to say the greatness that is Saltburn, but I don't know if it's greatness. It, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it just is what it is. <laughs> Emerald Fennell's Saltburn. I, mm, I, does anybody even have like a, a, a two sentence description about this is, movie? Is, is that an actual like perfect representation of the film where Marie is kind of like, uh, um, mm, kind huh? of. Kind of. I was telling Steve <laughs> just before we started recording that uh, I literally like sp- power paused, like I think it was 20 minutes in. And I was like, did I just actually watch that happen? Like on film? Like, I, I know I texted you right after I saw it. And I'm like, okay, I time to mark Barry Keegan fucking a grave on my. Uh, oh, not even before that. <laughs> there, were, there were quite a lot of. Uh, yeah, it was week before that. In yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, uh, for me, it was the bathtub scene. Bathtub. I was like, yeah, yeah. that happened. It was okay. Definitely the bathtub. Yeah. That was uh, that, that had peach moments for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, that was that's the peach moment of the year. Uh, sure. less romantic. Yeah, got my bingo yeah, marker. Far, not. <laughs> far less romantic. Got my bingo marker out and hit that one for sure. And it's just like, holy crap, this movie. This yeah. Movie. I just, I don't know. I like, because obviously we're all going to reveal how exactly we felt about this one, but I don't, this movie works so well for me. I don't know. It's, it's felt so like wildly unpredictable in a lot of places. Barry Keegan's on fire in this film. Um, Jacob Lordy totally redeems himself for just kind of a completely lackluster performance in Priscilla, in my opinion. Um, Rosamund Pike is on in like a new level, like just a completely new level and just kind of like reaffirms how fucking great she is. Um, I love Richard E. Grant too. <laughs> I just love him so much. And there's just the reveal on all of it is just, I don't know. It's just all worked for me so well. I'm I on the on the one hand, I love that she pushes buttons and she's constantly kind of like just she pushes and pushes and then she jams her finger in and stir and the whole hand mm-hmm. starts turn. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like that uncomfortableness that she builds. Um, and sometimes it builds slowly and sometimes it comes really, really fast. And you're like, where the fuck did that come from? And I like the unpredictability of it. I just, I found, and the performances are great. And I think you nailed it. I thought for me, Rosamund Pike was by far the, like, now this is Pike at her like peak Pikeness. Like mm-hmm. she's so good. So, so good. Um, I just found it kind of predictable. Like it, that didn't feel new. Um, no. And then I went, and then I went looking at some of the like reviews and comments and I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, it, this is all of these things that she's borrowed from repackaged in this new shiny package with these new shiny actors doing new shiny degradable things. And it, it works to an extent, but I don't know how much like replay value it has after the initial shock. And that's the thing. Like there were these moments that I was like, holy crap, did she really just do that? And there's a bunch of it. Like there's the cemetery scene. There's the, 
the 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 bathtub there's the grave and i mean all of it you you kind of if you haven't seen the movie you're like what the fuck are they talking about and then you watch the movie you're like oh yeah that's what they were talking about but i mean it does it really amount to much like what did, what's she actually saying i don't think she's saying anything new and that's not to say that uh, every movie needs to have like a message and say something new i just kind of found that this one was a lot of shock value for not a lot of you know like story i guess for lack of a better because the reason really isn't the whole lot happening here no the parts have to add up for me yeah and I, I just didn't think they added up but as you said you know uh i did like a lot of the parts of the parts like the yeah. acting is incredible you talked about rosamund pike who I, you know i i think it's always been kind of criminally underrated and you know something like gone girl where she's incredible yeah. or yeah. something like that and you know barry keegan might be the actor of our generation uh, I think Jacob Elordi is good. Uh, I like the other supporting characters too. The ones that I'd never heard of before that just kind of showed up and I was like, Oh, they're really good. I just couldn't get over the fact that this kind of felt like promising young women in 1993 uh, pushing buttons. She has a certain way of making a film and it kind of felt like that movie to me. And I, and I didn't, there was nothing surprising in the film. I knew exactly what this film was 30 minutes into the film. And I kind of wish there was more to it. I don't know. That's just me. That's just me. I I agree. I mean, I think I I do think like Marina. I found it incredibly predictable. I mean, you know exactly where it's going. Um, you don't entirely know how it's going to get there. And like, there are some there are some surprising scenes in the film. I think she's playing with levels of disgust and a lot of in a lot of scenes and that that is interesting but i think like ultimately i was like okay if you're gonna do something around like eating the rich then fucking go for it like don't give me this incredibly morally ambiguous character and then like you you don't really you're like you're never that invested in rooting for him against this you know like because the, the this the rich family is so ridiculous like they're so ridiculous. The moment that you get to Saltburn and you meet his family, you're just like, this is every thing I believe about ridiculous rich people. Um, <laughs> and so you cut like you want you want them to get knocked down a peg. You really do. But then you've given me this protagonist that I can't fully root for yeah. to knock them off the pedestal. And yeah. so I don't like it, it's like. I don't really like, yeah, it's like you said, Marina, I don't know what her, I don't know what the point is. Yeah. Like, is is the point just that Barry Keegan is a, is a genius actor? Sure. I've, I've thought that since the day I saw him in um, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Like <laughs> this is not a newsflash for anyone who's seen Barry Keegan in anything Barry Ke- Keegan yeah. has done. But, um, I will give it though, best uh, cinematic dance scene, male cinematic dance scene, <laughs> another round for yeah. sure. That like that end scene is fantastic. I really yeah. love it. It's so self indulgent. Yeah, and that's it's the thing. So, like, there's like, there's some yeah. really great scenes, and there's some yeah. really great moments, and there are even moments where you're kind of like, oh, maybe there's a glimmer of light here, and she's getting at something, and then she doesn't go there. Yeah, I- quite crosses that line. I wanted more class politics out of this. It was, it was, it really wasn't there. Yeah. But, but Parasite won best picture three years ago. There you go. Yeah. That's that's the film. (laughs) Yeah. But the message never gets old, Bill. I know, but it was capitalistic hellscape. It's just not that film. (laughs) No, it's not. No, no, you know what it it made me realize though, is just how good the talented Mr. Ripley is. 
and yeah, how really. how yeah. seriously underrated that movie is because it was great mm-hmm. when it came out and you watch it now and you're like that movie is getting at things that we're still talking about in such a great way and it still plays so so well it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many times you've seen it how many times you've seen the trick it still works and then you know watching this i'm like okay so you know there's a level of talented filmmaking happening there that you don't see every day that's easy to forget sometimes but i mean i on the i i just i i feel kind of bad because i really want to like this and i i do in in parts i just i can't wholeheartedly say yes see it for reasons beyond it's just gross (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's some good stuff. <laughs> I, two two more things. Archie Medequi uh, is like so cliched, but plays it so fucking well. The the whole cliched it, to the character and just like the villainous kid and everything. He just does it really well. Um, and the soundtrack's a fucking banger. Yeah, yeah, thoroughly. Not a bad song there. No, and I mean the the movie looks amazing. Like the 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 production design is like top notch, and the cinematography is. I mean, when you have the cinematographer behind the camera, I mean it, it's going to look amazing, and it looks really really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Academy ratio. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is um is Barry Keegan too good looking for this role? No, no, Barry no. Keegan is is weird looking. You think he's so? not unattractive, but he's also not classically attractive. I agree. I agree with Melissa. Yeah. I had somebody I tell that to that. me a couple of days ago. They're like, I think, I think he's like Barry Keegan is the hottest guy in that film. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing. There is a magnetism to him that I think goes beyond his physical attributes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Like that, like when the scenes where he kind of, puts aside his sort of like little meek people pleaser persona that he's putting on with them and is like fully confident in himself. Like it, like you get it, you get the scene with the sister under his window, you get it. Like it's, it's believable um, because of, because of his attitude, not because of how he looks. And, but I mean, does he have like, is, is the, I, I mean, I think part of his appeal is the fact that he's, not like gorgeous, but also not an unattractive person. I mean, there has to be some sort of appeal for these other characters to be attracted to him. Cause I mean, everybody knows that he doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. There, Well, there's, there's a, yeah, I think there's like, there's an intensity to key in that is yeah. really appealing. Um, and I think like, but I think, I mean, I think the reason that they gravitate towards him is it's that classic, like rich liberal, here's a charity case thing. And that's yeah. why, they're so mad when they find out what they find out. Right. So yeah. like, I mean, yeah, I, it plays around with a lot of those things. I think like the more that I think about it, the more I'm like wondering if it's more metaphoric, you know, like I think like I wanted to see eat the rich, but I think maybe what she's talking about is like the way that we covet wealth and celebrity and how like toxic that is. And how, if that's your like goal in life, then you're not, you're not like, <laughs> you you should like you shouldn't be rooting for people who are on that track right like that you can't do it without hurting people and you can't do it without being kind of a gross human <laughs> yeah uh, that works shout out <laughs> shout out to carrie mulligan for showing up for a couple days and just holy shit that <laughs> performance holy crap yeah that uh that outfit was a choice in the yes. opening scene. Absolutely. Yeah, the, the hair. hair just incredible. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. 
but yeah, I, 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 I think it's um, take a ch- take a chance. That movie is mm-hmm. a chance. I kind of like that she took a chance, and I think doesn't. I don't think it all it works completely, but I like some stuff in it, and I would definitely not tell somebody not to watch it. But I just don't think it's a rush to go and see. It's a a Netflix movie in a couple months or whatever streaming service it's going to be on. I think it's, I think it's going to, I think it's going on to prime. Okay. Um, but I, yeah, I think I would just tell people if you like, if you are thinking about watching it, if you're, if, if you're okay with weird, you'll be okay with this movie. But if you are easily grossed out or <laughs> a bit prudish, like if the peach scene was way too much for you, probably don't watch this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the peach scene in Call Me By Your Name. If that was too much for you, then yeah. probably <laughs> skip this one. <laughs> and I, I, I agree one hundred and ten percent. Like I, I, I like that. I like filmmakers who take chances, and I like that she's taking chances and pushing buttons, and she's able to do that. Like she's being given the runway to try something different. I wish I liked it more, but that's not to say it doesn't have its merits. And I am with you, Melissa. I'd say you know tread with caution it's not for everybody but if you like a challenge it's definitely that and you probably won't be disappointed because there is stuff to like it's just some of it is buried under a lot of bs <laughs> just just kind of nod your head to the mgmt while they're playing badminton just... there you go I mean, <laughs> I mean, that was i listened to that record on repeat when i came out it's all good <laughs> and and um second period sex scene in a film this year hooray for filmmakers like <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm glad we're seeing more of this on on screen it should be normalized um yeah is it is it is it the sexiest scene i've ever seen no but it is i do find it fascinating that we're finally getting we're, like we're finally seeing that normalized mm-hmm. on screen in some way. Yeah. Well, and I think that fair play. Yeah, no, and I think it's it, in part because we have women making movies, <laughs> so that's a yeah. conversation we need to have. Because guess what? This happens, people. Yeah. <laughs> it was like stop living. A, it was and like just, a contributing piece to Bernardo Bertolucci's The Dreamers getting an NC seventeen. Yeah. Like in the two thousands era. And and just in case for any of you out there listening, in case you needed to know, period blood is sterile, so there's nothing gross about it. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> facts. And that is your biology lesson for the day. Dropping facts here. <laughs> we are educating people. Yeah. Educating. Well, and we should be. That's what it's all about. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> education. I feel like we need the like bong bong bong. The more you know, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, are we ready to move on to that? Was like the shortest review, I think. We've, we've oh, I, I will say I gave it high marks as as the, the lone soldier here. I gave it high marks. I would recommend it to people, but I'm fucked up like that. <laughs> I did like it too, Steve. So I'm, yeah, I am, so did I. Like, don't get me wrong. I did enjoy it. But no, no, no. I just, I feel like my mark, like I give it higher marks because <laughs> I, I don't think I was as critical on it. So I was like, maybe score. Cause I, I think on Letterboxd, I gave it a four out of five. So like I give it high marks. I can't remember what I did. I think it was either three and a half or a four. I don't remember, but it was, it was still like a really good mark. Don't get me wrong. I don't put my ratings up so you will know. 
I don't. Watch I know. It. It's like you're a ghost. Like, totally I, he is. was there. He was there, and then Marina's, and then I, you know, I, I was like, hey, Marina, I want to join your podcast. She's like, yes, and then Bill disappeared. <laughs> it just I, fucking vanished. He's elusive <laughs> like that. He's like letterbox stopping us all. He's like, oh, we're gonna be on the same show. Hey, 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 now I, you get nothing. I, I, <laughs> nothing I, have, I haven't show. done that in a couple episodes. Leave me alone. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I oh, can I also say like the super creepy kid at the beginning who tries to be friends with <laughs> him? Is Aiden from House of the Dragon, and so it's like I didn't Holy think play shit. a weirder dude than Aemon from House of the Dragon, but obviously you do. Is this guy making a career out of like? Apparently, like holy, I did. I did not weirdos? put two and two together. Yeah. I did not. I did not even get. Well, I mean, because the wigs and everything. Yeah. Like holy yeah. shit, he uh, is so off-putting in this movie he's so like i bought you a crunchy ball (laughs) for him to take back like immediately (laughs) it's more of the like when he like stops the entire lunchroom by yelling give me a song (laughs) right (laughs) i thought there was going to be more with him to be honest i thought there was maybe we're going to call something back but even the callback was very small it was just like he knew something that I don't know. It was it was a lot less than I thought was going to be with this character. Also, a shout out to that really awkward Pet Shop Boys karaoke scene. <laughs> wow, good scene, good scene. It was mean, really memorable moments. Yep. Oh man. Um, who wants to go next? What do you guys want to talk about next? We didn't. We didn't actually plan it beyond summer. So. <laughs> well. Are what we are we ta- watching? Yeah, are we going to tackle what we've watched here? Yeah, let's um, do it. I'm not going to go in any sort of order because I do want to jump on this one right away. But I I watched Leave the World Behind a couple nights ago, which is Sam Esmail's. Uh, this is his feature directorial debut, right? Yes. Well, well, okay. Unless, I'm you not count, a, unless you count Mr. Robot, but I've never seen Mr. Robot. Okay. I'm uh, some some TV slips through the cracks for me. Just uh, watching a lot of movies. Sometimes some shows don't make it, and it's a show that's always been interesting to me, but I've never jumped on it. But this being in my kind of landing point with him, holy shit! He's like, good. He's good. Wow. Actually, no, I've seen Homecoming, so I do know he's a little odd. But yeah. as far as like him making this movie, like it's beautifully shot doing some incredible stuff um like a lot of overhead stuff panning stuff like like one shot sequence through the house and everything like it's amazingly well done um so chillingly plausible that it kept like needling me the whole time the paranoia in this movie and the the tension is so well constructed and this cast kills it and I I have such a deep love, obviously, for, for Ethan Hawke forever. But Mahershala Ali fucking rules. And Julia Roberts, when they give her some good stuff to work with, is so good. She is just so game all the time. Yeah. And um, maybe one of my favorite needle drop endings in a long time. Wow. So that's, I think it's worth mentioning. So we're recording on the Friday that this actually drops on Netflix. So guess yeah. what I'm watching yeah. tonight. <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah, I was going to watch it tonight too, actually. I've been uh, 
excited about it since I saw the trailer. And yeah, yeah ditto. the cast is just is phenomenal. <sighs> and also, yeah. yeah, like the last thing I saw that Julia was really great in was Homecoming. And so yeah. to see her work with Sam again, I think will be really exciting. Yeah, I was uh, yeah. telling Steve before there's uh, I saw an interview with the the cast and um, Sam, I'll we'll put a link in the show notes for those that don't know, but Sam Esmail is actually on Letterboxd and he curates lists of companion films to go with all of his projects. So you can actually look at the companion f- uh, list for Homecoming and Mr. Robot and uh, this new film. So he has all the movies that kind of like influenced the the storytelling. And it's pretty cool to kind of look at the at the influences that he's working with. So and it, you, it's obvious when you've seen some of the project, you're like, OK, I can see where that fits in. But just a interesting passing note that I, I found earlier today, which I thought was really. But it looks awesome. Can't wait. Another The More You Know. <laughs> it's, it's How many of these are we going to land today? I like it. Such an educational <laughs> program today. Very. It's tough because Steve was talking about how great this Netflix film is that I totally wish I'd seen on the big screen. Like, I know because Netflix doesn't does a complete shit job of getting any sort of theater theatrical distribution on because they don't seem to understand it. When also we get pillars I, I of the flower moon. I disagree. I disagree because they do they do theatrical releases for some of their titles, but not wide releases. They're generally art house. Yeah. That that so that affects people like me and it pisses yes. me off. <laughs> and, and, with, with this cast, you would think like yeah. you know, my maestros mm-hmm. bought like probably three thousand screens this this weekend, but that's Netflix. But it's just like you know, put your other stuff out too. Like it's 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 not just the prestige. People actually want yeah. to have a good time too. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's and my my issue with the whole thing as well, especially with with the Netflix originals thing, thing is to the layman or your mainstream audience, Netflix originals always sound like something that are cheap or bullshit. But a lot of uh, a lot of these Netflix originals are things that are like picked up or or like in in production with another studio and stuff. And they're not like predominantly like your regular Netflix original film. It's not a fucking weird Hallmark movie or some some something like that. Like it or a random like family film you know this these are like the actual films like award contender films as well and stuff so it's like wait was that a diss at the family switch which is actually really charming (laughs) no 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 No, that was not no 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 i'm kidding i'm kidding there's i actually if you look at my letterbox i gave it a three (laughs) all right i gave it a three i i had some fun with it all jen garner is yeah the predominant oh and the emma the I don't. The, I haven't watched daughter. Wednesday, but I. I she thought she was really great in it too. So that that cuts that one because I did have that one on on my my list of things to talk about. Um, this the the first one I want to talk about though. Um, has uh, or the next one I want to talk about. Ha- it's kind of started an odyssey for me film wise because I watched um Albert Brooks defending my life. Yeah, the documentary done by his best friend Rob Reiner, and I fucking loved it because i do love albert brooks but i can't say i'm as well versed or immersed on his entire career there's definitely a lot i've seen but there's there's a lot of stuff i haven't seen so what i'm doing a retrospective in my own way and i started with a film that i never seen before real life and this movie's fucking hysterical and i'm so like angry at myself that I haven't seen it before because it 
it's so like hilarious in a modern time to watch this movie, which is like the the origins of reality television. And Charles Grodin is an absolute treasure. And it's a reminder of how amazing he is. And then, of course, Albert Brooks flame out in the third act and his loss, his his break from reality in a film that's supposed to be about reality is just hysterical. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, going way back to 1979 for that one, but it was fucking worth it. That uh, documentary is really good. Uh, yes. Him going on Carson with no material and ad living <laughs> is nuts. And it's it's like a nightmare that comics have yeah. of not having anything to say. And he's doing it a lot. Like it's, yeah. they show multiple times that he's doing it. And the stuff he is doing is just the wackiest stuff you've ever seen on television. And he's making it work because he's a genius. Yeah, he was a genius in the 70s. Oh my God. The bit of um what you expect me to do. Yeah. Is insane and it just yeah because i i think that there's a a couple there, there's two versions of albert brooks that that people know if they know of albert brooks and they know of this film version and then there's the stand-up comedy world of albert brooks and it's like different but the same but the stand-up comedy stuff's wild like he's he's going he's going for the throat and all and everything he does it's and, crazy and then he shows up in drive yeah as a scary as fuck character yeah totally it's a yeah just just a talented dude man just talented absolutely talented and like broadcast news and like oh broadcast news so much so much great stuff um i haven't talked about napoleon i think i teased it uh on the last episode that i was going to see it and i just this movie just did not work it's another issue of ridley i don't know largely i felt this movie was directed by an asshole like (laughs) he did he like anything that he was making here vanessa kirby steals this film like she's incredible i really really love uh all the stuff with josephine and um the uh just uh joaquin's like when joaquin phoenix says the line um that uh i have no time for petty insecurities but that's all that napoleon is to his fucking core that kind of sums up the movie but the other bad shit about it is the first bit of it feels so rushed and so weirdly edited and so all over the place and constantly telling you what year it is and and where we are and then the last bit of the movie is exactly that again and it's just it completely fucks up the pace and i just made me very disappointed in Ridley again, but I've kind of felt that many times before in his career, but he had a strong outing with last duel and house of Gucci. So it had to come to end at some point. Yeah. But for, for both of those films, he didn't announce beforehand that he had a four plus hour cut of the film that you knew was just automatically going to be better. Yeah. I, I hope it is better. I, I, I am a little trepidatious to reimmerse myself in it. Cause I, wasn't really huge on it. it it looks nice some of the battle scenes are really great but there's just a lot of tedious stuff in it and there's some script stuff i'm like what is going on here like there's one where he basically threatens the uh the british government and then he turns to walk away and then he comes back and he goes you guys think you're so great because you got boats i was like <laughs> what script was that from 
<laughs> what happened there? I, I I oddly laughed a lot at times. Yeah, I did. Too. I don't think I was supposed to. Is, yeah, is it so? Yeah, it, I don't think it is supposed to be funny. No. And Ridley obviously hates the French. Yeah, like clearly fucking hates them, but still <laughs> made a movie about them. Like what a fuck! I don't know. It's just like in his like late seventies, he's just like fuck everybody. I'm gonna let you know I hate you. <laughs> And he hates the audience a little bit with this film. Yeah, total, total pass, total pass for me. I just don't understand. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I, but I don't get why we're already into the well into the let's have regularly three and a half hour movies. Just release the fucking four hour cut at this point. Like, who cares? Give us an intermission. People will go and see if they want to. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't get it. Like, what's with the let's edit the shit out of this thing so it doesn't make any sense and nobody likes it. And then nobody's going to be seeing the long cut anyways because they hated the first one so much. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, sorry. Don't, like, no, no worries. Um, I watched Good Burger for the first time. <laughs> I know it's like a weird 90s thing. I really liked it. It Wait, was just there, dumb enough how, for me I, to... Is there a new one? Because I see that there is a good burger too, and that's what I get. That's why I watched it for because I was going to watch two, and just the wife and I haven't gotten around to watching it yet. But I watched the first one because Paramount sent me like the Steelbook Blu-ray of it, so I finally got around to watching it. And I'm like, this movie is actually a lot of fun, and Kel Mitchell is just an absolute treasure. He's just so goofy, and I really loved it. And it just like reminded me of those '90s movies that I really had fun with. So I know stupid little one to throw in there. Um, May, December. Holy okay. Fuck. That's on my list. I, I fucking love this movie. I fucking love that movie so much. Uh, Charles Melton is a big reason why so I love that movie. Um, talk about an actor that went from like a nothing CW show to like, actually like, like this. I, I had no idea he had this performance in him. I don't even was he even like, I mean, he I was watched Reggie. Some- I was, was going to say, because I watched some of Riverdale, but I clearly yeah. stopped watching when he joined the show because I don't remember seeing him. He replaced the original guy. Okay. Yeah, because the original Reggie got the gig on 13 Reasons Why or whatever. Oh, okay. okay. Oh, he made, right. he made the wrong call because Riverdale yeah. clearly went for like a million seasons too many. <laughs> he would have a way longer, way longer if he just stayed on Riverdale. But he I believe us Charles Melton, so that's pretty yeah. great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the score in this movie is so fascinating. Oh, it's so, it's fucking, so fucking lifetime movie, dude. Oh, the it's so score, good though, but it works. The uh, score, the score leading to crescendo, and then Julianne Moore goes, I don't think we'll have enough hot dogs. Annihilated me. Yeah, no, I'm with <laughs> Annihilated Steve. On this me. I'm totally with you on this one, Steve. I think, I mean, this is so typical Todd Haynes, though. Like, this is like melodrama mm-hmm. to the nth degree. I mean, yeah. you have Natalie Portman playing a TV, and you don't realize, like, you know she's a TV star because everybody, like, refers to it. And then she is so fucking genius leading up to everything. She has that scene in the mirror where she talks to the mirror, and she starts, and you're like, holy shit, this is why Natalie Portman is a fucking Oscar winner. And then I, you see the clip at the end, and it's so bad. No, no, because she, she's playing so the... Good. Because she's playing the world's worst actress. Yes, yeah. it's yeah, fucking yeah. amazing. It's so, 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 so good. It's so something. inside. I love it. Something wild, I'm going to say here. This is her best performance, in my opinion. 
I this is mm. this is my favorite black swan. This is my favorite, black swan. yeah. Black there's swan. definitely black swan. elements of black swan in this. Yes, that's what agree. that's what really there yeah, there was a agree. lot that kind of peeked through to me, and I was like, especially when she starts to adopt Julianne Moore's man, like like just how it starts Makeup to bleed scene. into. Yeah, right. It's it's so interesting, and then yeah, like Bill said, that last scene to be the capper on it is just. When, when so, Corbin's so doing like that, that, that like blue steel scene, or she's just like mm-hmm. back and forth, back and forth. Oh, it's oh, good. Mm-hmm. It, it, this movie, like, I did not think Dad would like this movie. I warned him before we started. I'm like, Are you sure you want to see this? He's like, Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> the phone didn't come out once, which is always a sign of Dad enjoying nice. something. <laughs> so, hey. it's also like, if you remember, that's the story from the 90s. Like, yeah. The, what, yeah. What I name? knew the right Turno? away. Uh, Mary yeah. Kay Letourneau. Yeah, yeah, Mary Kay Letourneau. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it was just like in it's... Seattle or something. Like, yeah, it was yeah. just in Washington. So, really yeah. close. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, like, so they changed like a couple of details because yeah. I guess, mm-hmm. like, you know, the teacher student relationship is a little gross. Like, so they mm-hmm. made it co workers instead. In a um, fish store. The fish store. <laughs> the fish store. Yeah. Well, I think it's a pet store though, right? Yeah. It, just, it just happened but it was to be, the, it just be behind the, the behind yeah. the fish thing. Don't don't <laughs> touch the bait. <laughs> <laughs> but even like like it's when you know when she shows her the, the card that he made her. Yeah. I was just like like wow like you really you saw this as romantic but it's interesting like how your perception of her kind of shifts through the movie Mm because you realize that this is not a stable woman like this is not a typical adult woman there is like a real element of naivete to her and like even the like the, the that the sex scene is like so not what you would expect like it plays with all these like ideas that we have of a young boy being seduced by this like yep. you know lecherous old woman and like how she must have groomed him and stuff and then you get to the sex scene and you're like she really didn't do a lot of any good grooming there did she <laughs> like it's kind of like it, it is it, it's it i don't know it was really unexpected i felt like they mm-hmm. took the characters in some really unexpected directions like i think we i just had like a lot of preconceived ideas yeah. about what this would Me be too. And it and the movie did not didn't follow any of those, and I really like. I mean, I love Todd Haynes, but I, uh, I, I but I mean, w- and then there's that final scene with Portman and um and Julianne Moore, and you kind of see another side of her, and you kind of think, well, maybe she's not quite as naive as she's portraying. So it's never quite clear. Like, there's always like this. Maybe she's not even, maybe she's just playing you. It's not you like you don't know. And I'm kind of like, I kind of want to watch it again. Just to see this unfold a second time, to see how she's playing it. It is so good. I think this like understated, awesome movie. None well, of these yeah, boys are sexy enough. I I just um I I did just love like that this is giving you two female characters that you really don't know, you really don't know how to feel about them. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. like that's pretty. I feel like that is pretty rare. We usually get either really likable women or bitches, and these women are really complicated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I really appreciated that. Yeah, the, I love this movie. Two two scenes and uh, two other scenes that I, I have to mention. One was the drama class and about sex scenes was fucking incredible. Like that's the Oscar reel 
mm-hmm. scene for Natalie Portman there is because that scene is just so incredibly well done. And the shift the just all the different shifts in the um, sex scene between Natalie Portman and Charles Melton, I thought was like, whoa, like, is this just a lot going on there? So, mm-hmm. yeah, this movie resonated for sure. And uh, for me, as far as like Todd Haynes films go, it, it's upper upper tier for me. Agreed. It's like it's with it's kind of with Carol. Like, that's I'm where I'm there. Hiding. I'm with you there. Yeah. Can you actually imagine trying to win a, an Oscar this year if you're a female? It's, it's a tight it's, <laughs> it's tough. tough it's tough and and i mean there's so many in there i mean we talked uh fairly recently uh annette benning for uh, naiad like there's she's got to be in that running there's so many people and they're all like kind of lower like they as soon as you bring up another one it just like shifts them all around again but uh, the, uh this a uh, question actually i want to ask is Lily Gladstone, are they going to shop her for actress or supporting? Because that's a big decider as well. If they're smart, they put her in supporting and she wins. I'm with Bill. I'm with Bill on this one. But she's in like, she's got like 30% screen time and Leo has 58. They're like, and she's like second lead. She's the the moral core of the movie, too. Yeah, she is. But who's um, who's the lead in May, December? Uh, exactly, exactly. Both. I, I, I think maybe Natalie Portman just slightly over. But but that, they'll cancel each other out. You got it. They gotta, will. They you, will. You, you, you have to. You have to category one. fraud one of them. Yeah, yeah that sucks. That sucks. I, and it, it's it's something that's pissed me off for a long time. And like I get the politics of it, but it just sometimes it dilutes it so much that it just bugs me. Yep. Yeah. Good film. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um I think the only other thing is I <laughs> rewatched um oh wait no okay I watched Blow the Man Down which I'd never seen before. And oh, uh, I like this one. I, I saw this one this year too, I think. Yeah, Margot Martindale uh so good. did some supporting work. Uh but cousin from uh from uh The Bear is in this one too, yeah. playing a real <laughs> shit bag. Uh and this is like a little uh, like like seaside town thriller that really works on great character work some sea shanties here and there <laughs> like it, i don't know there's there's something so charming about this dark comedy that it just i don't know it, it sat me through with me quite well uh and i i've seen it on prime many i think i noticed like the week it came out i'm like i need to get around to that and it just has been a long fucking time because that movie is 2020 so <laughs> i finally wow. got around to it uh yeah well when you don't have to review as hard and because you don't have a, a radio show to do it on then you can you can uh kind of uh branch out a bit because because of that i watched my 4k of final fantasy spirits within and that movie did not age at all well no the uncanny actually so bad it's so especially bad. in 4k oh. i must have been such a square square enique's fanboy for even loving it it was one of the first dvds i ever bought um and yeah i mean they did I mean, they map okay. every character's face on the same character and then just make slight alterations <laughs> i don't know but i mean you gotta kind of if you're gonna watch it with that lens you have to go back to when it came out because it came out in like the late 90s right early 90s so yeah. i mean 
This was, you know, early days of, you know, advanced graphics. So, I mean, wow. it was doing some cutting edge stuff, but I remember the conversation around that was uncanny Valley to the hill. Like, yeah. where is this going to go? And then yeah. it backed up from that. And now we're back at it with video games, but we've all well, kind of overlooked that fact. I don't know. Well, it was so well done that it bankrupted their entire film division. Pretty but, much. Uh, yeah. So they've yeah, never, they've never res- resurrected from now. No, they have not. And beyond that, the casting is fucked up on it too, because you have like a Chris Evans looking like hero guy in it. And it's Alec Baldwin in 2001. And it's like this gravelly voice doesn't belong. Like that doesn't make sense. And then they have the, the pilot character who is almost mapped pretty much the same way. Just a little slimmer with like a little gingery hair. Right. And it's Steve Buscemi. That doesn't work. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's just just so much weird shit. Like, Ming Na is the only voice that actually works in this movie, and it, yeah. I, it's and maybe that's also because I'm can't really say a bad thing about Ming Na. I fucking love her. So <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if there's anything bad, I'll say nothing and just move on. But yeah, I uh, I one and a half starred that rewatch. <laughs> oh boy, so that's it for me. This this reminds me of the fact that I didn't love boy in, the boy in the heron, but this voice cast almost makes me want to rewatch it in the dubbed version. <laughs> the 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 clips of Ro- uh, Robert Pattinson sound amazing. Uh, Robert Pattinson unhinged every time. I love it. Always love a it. win. Always a win. <laughs> Bill, do you want to go next? Uh, sure. I want to go to a few. I didn't watch much. To tell you the truth. Uh, I saw Thanksgiving, the uh, Eli Roth full length after the the Grindhouse trailer. It's actually really good. Yes! Yes! He just really understands slasher films from the 80s. And he's always understood those films. And he always makes kind of cool films like this. Mm. And that trailer was really good. And he sticks to the trailer, but expands it enough that it makes it a full length movie. And it's really quite fun. Nobody I know actually saw it except for me, which kind of sucks because it didn't make a lot of money. But uh, it's on VOD next week, so you motherfuckers better watch this film. <laughs> and they've been greenlit for a second movie. Oh, already. sweet! Yeah, Eli yeah. Roth announced it. So yeah, it's 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 quite fun. I really enjoyed it. Uh, and that's so uh, good to hear. Yeah, no, it's and I, I'm pretty picky about horror films, and that's it, it's quite fun. Uh, I saw the new Taika Waititi film. Next goal wins. Man, that film is some weak sauce. Oh, man. It's just so bland. Uh, there's a reason it was delayed for years. It's because it's just it's just milk toast. Uh, Fastbender is okay, but the story is just really juvenile. I didn't like it at all. Uh, this uh, The Samoan soccer team who keep on getting blown out and... Uh, they just want to score a goal. That's all they want to do. And it's all just a bunch of stereotypes and weirdness. And I just didn't like it at all. Um, yeah. Skip that one. Uh, okay, there's, there's like one good reason to enjoy that movie. And it's that it made Rita Ora confused about the, about the, the ethnic background of her own husband. Because for some reason, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure it's because he did the movie. She she did it. She she was on some uh, program in the UK, and she she claimed that she was married to a Samoan man. 
<laughs> and and everyone and like the there like just silence, right? Because everyone knows he's Maori. Like what? Like what? Like what are you talking about? Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, dream scenario is one of the best films of the year. Uh, I really like this one. And uh, Nick Cage plays a a college professor who just randomly starts showing up in people's dreams, but not just showing up. He's just kind of in the background doing nothing and, <laughs> and stuff will be happening in their dreams. And he just stands there and watches them. <laughs> I need this movie in my life so fucking badly, but because I live in Penticton, BC, like I have no idea when I'll ever see it, and it just gets, but I need it. It just gets progressively more intense and weird after that. There's so much more <laughs> oh. going on in that film, but it's so lovely. I loved it. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Uh, hopefully by the, end of the year so we can you know maybe have some list action on it but uh it's it's a it's a cracker man i loved it um yeah good stuff uh uh, the new hunger games film is pretty good for about two hours and it just falls off a cliff uh the hunger Games stuff is actually kind of fun i kind of like it what what is it like four hours long it's two Two hours hours 38 yeah yeah it's to stop this needs to stop it, it, the the Hunger Games stuff happens, and then there's just plot. My God, just so much plot, and I just did not care at all. It like it was just dropping stars every like five minutes. I just <laughs> not 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 good stuff. But the, the I, I like the Hunger Games stuff. It's quite fun. Uh, and American Fiction. I don't know if we're allowed to talk about this one, but why not? Uh, I'll just say I really liked it. I don't know who's seen it. It's not, it's I not, saw it. It's not, it's not even it's not even really out yet. Uh, we might save it until Steve sees it, but uh, I really like its plot, and I think Jeffrey Wright is really incredible. He's always been really incredible. Uh, Sterling K. Brown's always he's like hilarious in the film. Just makes me laugh every time he's on the screen, and uh, I think it's a really timely film with some challenging questions at times. And uh, I really liked it. I don't know about you guys. I really liked the two. I actually thought it was kind of genius. Yeah. <laughs> and it plays with this concept of uh, like perception and this idea of like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's playing with so many things that I appreciate that I'm always thinking about. Like who says that art is art? Like why is something good? And, and th- this whole concept that he writes the worst book that he could possibly write just for shits and giggles. And that's the shit people want to like know more about. And he's like, what the fuck is happening? Like this world like, is so <laughs> fucked up. He's seriously, not, he's seriously I, offended that somebody wants to buy it. Yes. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but the point that they're making is, you know, is, you know, this, this whole push towards um, increased diversity in storytelling yeah. is only possible when the gatekeepers aren't fucking white people. Yeah. You know, like as long as the gatekeepers for storytelling yes. remain white people, you're going to like, you're going to end up tokenizing instead of really allowing for diversity in storytelling. Yes. And, uh, like, this is the first movie that's really like made that point solidly. Like the first piece of pop culture that I've really seen, like really solidly make that point. And for that, I just loved it. And then Agreed. Like, yeah, Jeffrey Wright is amazing. And the, um, the love interest, Erica, I can't remember her last name. I hadn't seen her in anything in a while. She was like really big in the nineties. I remember she was in, in living single and stuff. Yeah. 
Um, and it was really great to see her back again, like doing something too, because she's she's also quite talented. I hope this means that she'll get picked up for more stuff. Yeah, no, you nailed it, Melissa. That's exactly that's exactly what it gets at, and it's it's done in such an entertaining fashion. Uh, Je- it's, Jeff- it's so good. Je- Jeffrey Wright is being kind of a crabby asshole. Good stuff. <laughs> but it was likeable, crabby asshole. I know. But That's the me, thing. He does he, walk that line. He made me laugh so hard. Yes. And, uh, I agree. And also, shout out to Seth from the OC for showing up. He looked, yeah. he was pretty funny. <laughs> he is and just being, but, he, but he always just kind of shows up and is like the douchey guy that like doesn't really get it. Like he thinks he's in the know, but is kind of like blind to it all. Just kind of navigating this mainstream in his own little bubble. Yeah, and it yeah. works well for him. <laughs> but yeah, well, hopefully Steve gets to catch up with that one eventually. I'm so psyched for it. I, yeah. I mean, I already was, but hearing the you guys' review of it, I'm I'm even more excited for it now. And it's that's it. Great. That's it for me. I, I got some stuff. I will talk about a lot of it. I actually lift stuff out of the list because I'm like, ah, oh, we can't talk about everything. I, I saw your I saw your letterbox. I'm like, does Marina sleep? <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy, okay? I've been busy. Okay, so um, Manodrome, which is uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Adrian Brody on toxic mas- toxic masculinity. On the one hand, I I'm 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 torn because on the one hand, I don't I don't think that the the themes really need any additional unpacking. But the movie, I think, does some really interesting things, and uh, Eisenberg is actually quite good here in a role that's a little bit more understated than he usually is. Um, so the basic concept is Jesse Eisenberg is this Uber driver who's looking for full-time work and just kind of like, he's in the same boat with everybody. It's the recession. Things are hard. He has uh, a girlfriend with a baby on the way, and he randomly ends up meeting this guy that like turns him onto this other guy. And then all of a sudden he's basically like knee deep in th- in this cult like scenario with all these men that are led by Adrian Brody, who is literally dad. Like they literally call him father. It's really strange and scary and a little bit sad and not particularly new and innovative, but I I don't know. I just, it's kind of like got under my skin a lot. So I think for that, it might be worth like a reevaluation, but it's flowing around out there. People either really love it or really hate it. I'm kind of in the middle only because I think it's doing some interesting things, but again, I'm kind of icky on the subject matter. So I'm like (laughs) trepidatiously going, well, if somebody else can watch it and talk to me about it, I'd appreciate it. But you know, so, maybe don't so, spread the So on, on on a genre level, uh, on a red room kind of getting under your skin level versus this, what what where would you put it? Oh, red room is definitely way getting under my okay. skin, way more. But okay, this cool. one is it it just it like it I I finished it and I thought, well, that was interesting. It's doing some interesting things, but it just keeps percolating. Like I just every once in a while I I think about it and I'm like I feel a little bit weird about that movie. (laughs) So I'm not quite sure where I've landed on it, but it's doing, it's certainly getting at some interesting things. And Adrian Brody is really fucking unlikable in this movie. Like he's generally a guy that he shows up and you're like, oh, look, it's Adrian Brody. He's so nice. Yeah, no. Like as soon as you (laughs) see him on screen, you're like, yeah, this guy's creepy. Like he just has that vibe, even though he's playing the nice guy. But you know that he's just like underneath. He's just like this really ugly person. 
and it comes through. It's it's a really really good performance. I I think for me he's the standout, but the movie is interesting. Um, the boys in the boat, which this came to me in a really weird way. So I'm a member of the VS. They sent me the screener, and I'm like, why the fuck am I getting a screener about uh, an aspirational sports movie <laughs> directed by George Clooney? <laughs> Via the VFX Society, like it makes no sense. And then I watched it, and holy shit, this movie's actually really good. <laughs> Leave it to George Clooney to make a, a really sweet, aspirational sports movie. Like he's not played in this wheelhouse before. Um, so it stars Callum Turner as this the mem- um, a young man after the war. Um, it's basically in the middle of the Depression. Um, he's going to school at Washington University can't afford tuition. There's an open call for rowers for the rowing team. And so he and a bunch of these other like hundreds of men basically show up because it actually pays. They they cover your tuition if you make the rowing team. And uh, Joel Edgerton plays the coach. Of course, he's quite good. And this the, it's based on a true story. So eventually these these guys are they're the junior team. They outshine the varsity team they make it to the olympics and they win the gold medal which is unheard of for an american team that's not ivy league uh, and it's really it's actually like a really good it's really well made like it looks really good the visual effects are really seamless it's really touching and it's sweet and it's romantic uh, it had all the things it, it's From not ter- not reinventing the wheel but it's very very sweet i really liked it a lot from the director of Leatherheads. <laughs> From the director. This is what I mean. Like, he's done this before, but this one is way better than Leatherheads, I promise. And the Tender Bar. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? <laughs> yeah, yep. he did that movie last year. Yep. Oh, God. I did. I don't think I saw it. But this, ben Affleck? This, oh, yeah. No, I did not see it. <laughs> <laughs> Boys in the Boat's my Christmas Day movie. It is. Know, and it is coming out on Christmas Day. Yeah. yeah. I think my, mine's Ferrari. Okay, yeah, well, I'm, since I'm, you mention it, let's talk about Ferrari. <laughs> I, I'll say this. Uh, it's not my favorite Michael Mann movie. I'm probably not in my top five Michael Mann movies. Uh, it's interesting. As a racing fan, it's interesting. As a film, it's okay at best. Uh, I don't really understand any of these performances, to be completely honest. <laughs> like, I, Adam Driver is kind of weird and awkward as Enzo Ferrari. Like, I just don't see it. The accents are pretty terrible <laughs> across the board. Like Penelope Cruz is the only person that's kind of like maybe close to Italian. Everybody Why, is why does Adam Driver keep doing these weird like Italian biopic things? Like I don't it's understand. Not, I don't know. It's not good. Like it's it's really not good. And he, I mean, they've done a fairly good job of aging him. But let's be honest, he's not fucking Enzo Ferrari. He's not a man in his 50s. Like, it, it just, to me, it just didn't really work. Some, I mean, the racing scenes are really good. And there is some stuff that happens there. You're like, okay, so this is Michael Mann in his, like, Michael Mannisness. But I don't, I was underwhelmed. Underwhelmed. I mean. So it's, it's like public enemies level Michael Mann. Yeah. I, that's actually no. really good. Yeah, I, I would. I would definitely. Oh, no, it, it's not. Oh. I did not care for it, and maybe I'm way off. But for me, it didn't work. Michael, there was like maybe Chris like three Man. scenes in there that I liked, but generally speaking, I didn't think it was very good. 
I once once almost got into a fight with a guy over our favorite Michael Mann film where I said The Insider was his best film, and the other guy said Heat. Heat. I'm with Heat. Heat wouldn't even be in my top three or four. Actually, I take it back. Collateral. Yeah, Collateral's awesome. Collateral's Collateral, I think, might be my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Heat's got got many problems with it. I haven't rewatched that in a long time. If you guys haven't watched Insider in a very (laughs) long time, The Insider is an incredible film. It's really good. Do you know what? Do you know what an original, an original, like, like Steve, like growing up memory had to do with Michael, Michael, uh, Michael Mann? No, it would be uh, Last of the Mohicans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Best soundtrack (laughs) of all time. Huge, huge movie for me. Huge movie. I'm with you. I'm with you, Steve. I, I saw spent, that in theaters with my dad and I was it blew my mind. Dude, I spent good coin on that soundtrack on vinyl. It is legit <laughs> one of my prized possessions. I love it so much. That movie so, is top. I just I just have to ask about Ferrari. How much of the movie is guys turning left? <laughs> Not enough. Okay. Not enough. I, I mean, and that's the thing. There's very little racing. It's not really about the racing. It's more about Enzo Ferrari as this like uh, aging, philandering asshole who basically the company is in shambles. And I mean, it's all based on like true fact, like Mm -hmm. Ferrari basically almost disappeared in the 50s because, you know, he and his wife were running this business that wasn't generating any income. And he was this, you know, bigger than life guy that refused to like give in to the big guy. Like he was only ever making like 70 or 80 cars a year to try to like pay for the racing. And that was never going to work. Like the finances just never were going to work that way. And so it covers a very short period of time. Like the movie only covers like four years between like 1954 and like 57 or 58 or something. So, I mean, it's a very short period of time, but it's really just like a mini encapsulation of Ferrari and Enzo. So, I mean, it, it's not like the best, it's not really a biopic. It's really just like the snapshot in this man's life. But I mean, the guy was an asshole. Like, let's be clear. He was legit. He was still married to his wife and refused to divorce her because otherwise she would basically take comp- half of the company and bankrupt Ferrari as a company. <laughs> and so he was l- married to her and he had another woman that he had bought a house for that he had a kid with. Like, this was all like out there and everybody knew, but everybody was like, turn the eye because it's Enzo Ferrari. Like the guy was a douchebag. And then he, I don't know. That probably and, didn't help my enjoyment of the movie. The fact that this guy was a douche. And then he fucked with Christian Bale. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and Carol gonna, Shelby. And, yeah, and if you're going to watch a movie about cars turning left, watch Ford versus Ferrari. It's a Ford. Ford, <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari is fucking phenomenal. That movie yeah. is top. It's top. So, so goddamn good. good. Okay. Yeah. That and days of thunder, but I digress. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I like Gran Turismo. Cole trickle. I, I like Gran Turismo too. <laughs> Um, okay, so the holdovers, we kind of did we talk about the holdovers? I like the- oh no, I didn't bring that up. Yeah, I, t- I, I talked about it last episode, oh, but wait, I was only no. I was the only one who had seen it. No, wait, no, I did. Didn't I? No, we no. talked about it before we started recording, I think. Right, gotcha. There we go. <laughs> I was Bill, so confused. Bill gave me a hard time because it's an Alexander Payne movie. I actually like. Right, yes. <laughs> and it is and an I- Alexander Payne movie. I actually like. I thought this was so sweet. It's such a great mm-hmm. little Christmas movie. It's wonderful. 
And I still can't figure out what they did to Paul Giamatti's eyes to make it look like well, he's got a slow <laughs> eye. Like every time I was like, what if they go? Full like, method. Yeah. Full method. Yeah, it has to be. Was it really? But was it really? No, I don't know. It's just, it's just so, every time he was on screen, I'm like, this is bothering me. Like, I need to figure out what the, the line about the lines about his eyes just <laughs> fucking so killed funny. me. Oh, I just love it. Oh, but it's such a sweet movie. And it's like mm-hmm. sweet in this, like, not like really um, like saccharine way. It's just, mm-hmm. it just feels really authentic and just really, just really nice. I liked it a lot. It's like a Werther's out of a burlap sack. <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw the I saw the press screening of this and the uh... good thing, Steve. <laughs> yeah, it is. I love Werther's <laughs> out of a burlap <laughs> sack with the burlap. Not a, not no. Sorry, like a corduroy like bag. You know what I mean? Like not a burlap sack. Sorry, a corduroy bag. It's like, like that scene. I don't know if you guys watch Frasier, but we watch Frasier, and there's a scene towards the end of the season. Well, the the series where um, (laughs) they're trying to save money. This is after Niles and Daphne are already together. And so Niles spends this enormous amount of money on this sweater that he puts in an Old Navy bag. And so she lends, she's like, oh, you bought a sweater and Old Navy. This is great. She starts stretching it out. And at one point she pulls it out of her bag and there's a Werther's attached to it. And she's like, (laughs) oh, but that was my last... uh, my last, uh, she calls it something else. And Niles' face is like this $300 sweater. has <laughs> been abused. But sorry, I digressed again. <laughs> it, it's the soju. I blame the soju. Nice. Sorry. So the holdovers, we, yeah. we agree it's good. Oh, it's a perfection. Five out of five for me. I saw the press screening yeah. uh, and uh, the rep asked me what I thought of the film afterward. And all I said was, I love Hal Ashby, and then just walked away. <laughs> and he's like, "Who the hell is this guy?" Yeah, the greatest filmmaker of the seventies. No, yeah. no, I mean you. They're like, "Who yeah. the hell is this guy?" Dropping <laughs> Hal Ashby knowledge on us. Yeah, the Hal Ashby fan club. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so I finally caught up with Bo is Afraid. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Holy fuck, guys! Like you warned me, yeah. it was weird, but I was not prepared. Not <laughs> so like, best that, reveal, best reveal of the year. Like, come on, best needle drop of the year. Yeah, yeah. There was so many, like, there was just so many moments, and the fact that that movie starts at three hundred, like, it starts at three hundred and goes to five. <laughs> the entire time, I'm like, what is happening? This is going from like, like crazy, to like crazier in a quiet way to the craziest ever in the quietest way. It just, it goes up and down at the same time. Like, I don't get it. I'm like, <laughs> has somebody checked on Ari Aster to make sure he's okay? Because this is I, so, so twisted. I actually think he is okay now because of this movie. He's oh, like, ah, now to make my Disney movie. <laughs> I am so out of issues now. That, like, Christmas, that, at, Christmas at his house is going to be well, or Hanukkah yeah. at his house, whatever it is. And uh, the holiday dinner at his place is going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, and so that mom. ending. Yeah, I mean, and that <laughs> ending. That ending is like on another level. Like it, it's just like it still it sticks with me because and it just keeps going. And like the boat flips over and people are leaving, and you're like, this is like the saddest thing in the world. 
And also, like, it's just so scary. It, uh, that Marina, I wish you had seen it in the theater because seeing it with an audience was just like, yeah. I, I, had, a, I had an audience. I had Dan in the other room going, what the fuck is happening over? He's like, what are you watching? And then it would get like, in when you get into act two, it like gets a little bit quieter. Dan's like, is it over? I'm like, no, it just got weird. <laughs> and then once in a while they're screaming out of nowhere and i'm like this is so weird okay but i have to ask this question is it as easy as film to watch no no i thought it totally it was, was it's my <laughs> wife's first ari aster film she hasn't seen any other one Oh, Hereditary is way more fucked up than that movie. Midsummer is way more fucked up than that movie. What are you guys talking about? Not, psycho- <laughs> not psychologically, dude. This no, movie like, takes you on this weird trip. Like, it was a mind fuck. Oh, it is. But- like, no mm-hmm. other. If you're talking about an accessible film to watch, like, plot-wise, yeah. I would say Hereditary and Hereditary. Yes. are easier Yes. And both oh, no, yeah. No. From a narrative standpoint, I don't sure. think so. Uh no. no, I'm with Melissa on this one. I thought this yeah. was like way more fucked up. Like it is on another level of fucked up. Like this movie is like I was legitimately afraid for him. And then I was legitimately feeling right myself because that the opening hour is so unsettling. Like <laughs> so, so so I'm like, where do you go from here? Like, usually movies yeah. end here. He is starting here. Like, this is yeah. This is seriously fucked up shit here. Like, and the like, I know he won't win it for this, but Joaquin Phoenix needs to like. At best of times, I'm like, okay, you know, he's he's a good actor, but sometimes he's really over the top. But the fact that he takes a chance on this movie, which asks him to take so many risks, and then you look at how much dialogue there is, and there's very little to say. Like he almost has no dialogue. It's all just him being like fucking scared the entire time. And then and he just goes with it. Like he is in the shit. I this movie's on another. Like yeah. it is. I was sort of prepared, but not prepared enough. I am. I am really glad though for Ari's career that he did not like. This was the first movie he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. I'm really Thank glad God. this was not the first movie. It would have been. <laughs> It would have ended yeah. his career before it started. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I just don't know that enough people would have been on side. Like, I think he needed to have the he needed to have the momentum of the first two, two, two films and that enough of a like a, of a fan base behind him to really put this out and then not like and have it not kill his career. So yeah. yeah. So is, thanks for is, I have to say, is Patty Lapone the, the scariest monster of the year? Because good <laughs> lord, good lord. So yeah, thanks, it's thanks more for that. Surprising guys. is scary if she hadn't been American Horror Story. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now I'm so actually kind of I'm, I'm actually kind of interested about what Marina's year end list is going to be of like. Sometime. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm kind of thinking maybe this should be on it, but I'm, I I don't know. We'll see how psychologically scarred I'm after, after the, the entire year is over. But th- this movie, like, was on another level for sure. The best movie for anyone who has any parent issues, mommy issues, daddy issues, doesn't matter. You should watch Bo is Afraid. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I would say try with caution. <laughs> I don't think I have parental issues, but I was, like, seriously, like, distraught. Like, honestly, like, that first hour really unsettled me. <laughs> And then it just got worse. <laughs> That's um, how it goes, though. Like whatever he, whatever it goes is. wrong, can go wrong, and immediately will go oh, wrong. Yeah, exactly. 
Jesus. <laughs> um, Maestro, not as good as I had hoped. Um, full like props to Bradley Cooper for like doing the thing. Like apparently he practiced for five years to do the full conducting. So he actually looked like he knew what the fuck he was doing and he wasn't just walking through it. Um, I, I thought it was okay. I, I don't know. Five years of prep work and then fucked it all up with that terrible prosthetic nose. <laughs> it's actually, I, do you think it's fucked up? Cause I actually thought the prosthetics were quite good. His family was pissed. Oh, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't see any of the reactions. Oh, his family was pissed. They like wrote off the movie because of the prosthetic. Really? Because yeah. I mean, it's like they actually, um, it's not just a nose. It's a full face piece. Yeah. Um, I I didn't know I didn't realize that I I mean I don't know anything about Leonard Bernstein other than the fact that he's an American composer like that's literally all I knew about Bernstein and then then he'd written like West Side the music for West Side Story but like I didn't know anything about his personal life so I mean it's interesting um, it's 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 good it's just not great I don't think but I mean it's a really good performance. I have a question in the the trailer. Carrie Mulligan is first build. Is it her film? No. Okay. No. Oh, no. right. That is weird, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, she certainly plays a big part, but it's not her film. Okay. I mean, it it doesn't even open with her. She doesn't come in to like twenty minutes into the movie. Oh, okay. Like it really is the story of Leonard Bernstein. It's not the story of Carrie Mulligan, whatever her name was. I, I don't actually know what his wife's name was. But a uh, Barry Mulligan, I believe okay. it was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting, but it's not great. The music is fantastic. Uh, they sent a rec. They sent the record of the, I think it's the, the London Philharmonic actually like conducted by Bradley Cooper, which is interesting. <laughs> that I did listen to and is quite good. And I'm like, okay, sure. That's weird marketing, but it works. works. That's not going to be good for his ego. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But I mean, I do have like new appreciation for Bradley Cooper. Like A Star is Born was really good, but I kind of thought maybe this is a one of, but like clearly he has a passion for the music side of things. Um, and he's he's taking interesting chances. Like he he really is unexpected. Like I I I see him and stuff, and I'm like, this is not what I thought. Like, if you had told me back in whatever when the first movie about what, 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 what the one where they go to vegas i don't even remember oh, hangover when the first hangover came out if you told me that bradley cooper or even the a-team bradley cooper ended up where he's ended up i would be like yeah no whatever you're you're just joking with me part of it was his academy award nomination for american sniper though and i have major fucking issues with that the worst the worst it's baby of all oh my god the fake baby where he's literally manipulating the leg with his finger but the movie is fucking garbage though. yeah the movie is not good either thoroughly a piece of shit and only was in the running in best picture too uh because of jingoistic shit and and celebrating chris think, kyle who was not a fucking hero but do you think that yeah. that's the only reason he's ended up uh with no no credit? but it was it was that first one to to make him prestige though no i could go with that i could go yeah. with that um, I, I I do think that he's taking making some interesting films and the opening like 10 minutes of this movie are really beautiful, really, really, really beautiful. Um, it's you know, it's crazy that he's made this directional change into the music thing because Star is Born was like 
like he was the last person into it type thing like it was like it, it passed through like Clint Eastwood like a few different people before it even got to him to make the film so that that's interesting that it kind of just that changed the direction of him yeah yeah and then I saw an Instagram I uh, think real today where he was making I think hot dogs or sandwiches or something because he's yeah. like half owner of some sandwich joint or something I don't know I don't even know but it was pretty cool okay but I sidetracked um <laughs> Suzume might well be one of the best animated films of the year. It shouldn't oh, come as a surprise because it's Makoto Makoto Shinkai. who's like genius. And honestly, how many directors can make a chair emotional, <laughs> emotionally <laughs> resonant? He literally has a chair as a central character in his movie. It's so good. It's so sweet and so stupidly beautiful. And some of the times it doesn't make sense, but it still works. I I love Shinkai. I love this movie. Streaming on Crunchyroll. See it, people. It's so good. It won't get nominated because it's That's sad. It's basically anime and they're like, whatever, but it it's, deserves all the love. It's so good. It's weird. It got a re-release. It, I saw it playing a theater here last week. I hope so. Well, it's on the long list. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed it at it was like Silver City Coquitlam was playing it, I think, last week as well. <laughs> Let's do it. Go I, like how, roll. I like how everybody does just doesn't know who Makoto Shinkai is. His last three films have literally made over a billion dollars. Billions of dollars. <laughs> He's so good. But I mean, for legitimate reasons, like he does make good movies and they look stunning. <laughs> they look stunning. Uh, I have two more. Um, 299 Queen Street, Queen Street West, which is a documentary about much music, which is so good. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I'm biased. Did you go to the actual event? Like no, because fuck no, I thought it, I thought it was ridiculously expensive. Yeah, it was just for a ticket. I would have gone otherwise for sure. I mean, I didn't love it. I didn't love much music enough. <laughs> I didn't want to see them that badly. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe it's because it also captures like a part of my adolescence or something. But I do have fond memories of much music, and it always kind of felt like the bad boy little brother of. Uh, of um, uh, yeah, of MTV. So I think because they kind of always felt like it was off the cuff because it kind of was off the cuff. Like they had no they game had, plan. They had some better. Like some of the interviewers were decent. Like George was good, and I, I George loved, still I, is good. I yeah. still love Sukiyan Lee. Like yeah. I'm really excited to see because apparently she's working on um she's working on a film version of uh of Chester Brown's pay for it like the comic that he did about like about um about going to prostitutes oh okay um yeah and then uh, they used to date too so it's like like oh. layers of it's very sucking it sounds very succinctly to me um but i'm like super excited for that when it eventually comes out because yeah no and i mean and this is the thing like it i one of the reasons why it was so interesting was because they did have like it was about music journalism until mm -hmm. it wasn't and the 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 doc kind of like ends at the time where even rick is like you know rick and and george are like cuz they they're basically like the last they're the the last generation that is kind of like interviewed for the documentary and it was that's when the shift happened to like fall more in line with what mtv was doing with reality tv um but it was interesting to kind of see the 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 beginning of it from like the early early days and i man like thinking back i'm like i don't i didn't realize that i'd been watching <laughs> much music since 
basically the beginning of time. And I don't know, it was kind of nice to kind of like go back and, and see some of that stuff, like in the early days, like the old tree toss and some of those old VJs that, I mean, I hadn't thought about in years and electric circus. I don't know. The doc for me totally worked and it might be part. I'm sure part of it is nostalgia because it's most of it is just archival footage um, with voiceover from the VJs that they managed to interview. But I think it does capture the essence and the feeling of what made that period of time and much music so special. Um, And I thought it really worked. Bill, did you get actually around to seeing it? I did. Uh, I, I really hope that somebody makes like a 10 part okay. CBC yeah. documentary about this. This did feel really rushed, um, but I did really like it. And uh, I was a pretty young pup when much music first started and I had a really big crush on Erica M still kind of do not going to mm-hmm. lie. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, yeah. And Steve Anthony and Michael Williams and all those guys. Oh, yes. And master T man. Master T. Yeah. When, I, when I was in, when I was in grade eight, in Victoria, uh, Master T brought the dance party to my high school, and it was like me biggest, too. Oh yeah, the twenty-four hour much music video dance party. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody yes. wanted to go to. And, and, and I remember, I remember like watching like the Power Hour where they actually played Metallica videos. Hell yes! I was, just, I was just like yes. And, and then George came on and became loud and all much that. Loud, stuff. fuck yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's yeah, it's a big part of my childhood. And uh, but yeah, I I really want a a bigger, more comprehensive version of this. It would be great. So it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Um. And then last but not least, I dragged literally dragged Dan to the movies today. We oh, you saw they- you saw Godzilla. I did. So oh. they expect, they, ex- they so I had been I knew it was out, and I'm like I need to see this on the big screen. But as of last week, up until today it was only playing at cineplex and only like one screening a day at like 8 p.m every night and i'm like well that's not happening and then as of today it's actually expanded to like 2500 screens across canada so we went to go see it at landmark because that's my go-to i love it uh and that movie fucking rules i legitimately got teary-eyed i am for like anybody that's been listening to me for since the beginning of time, because our first our first podcasts were about Godzilla. And I have never been a giant Godzilla fan. It's just not really my cup of tea. I love the first movie. I really appreciate what it was saying. I've seen some of the sequels, the remakes, the follow Wait a minute. When you say the first movie, you're talking about... Gojira. Like, not the classic yeah. Godzilla movies. Right, like not black and white Japanese guns. Yeah, yeah. You are talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and even like Gajira is the the movie, and I mean, I think even the the Toho follow ups were all like progressively worse. Like it was at that point, it was let's make more movies because they're making money. Like the story became less important and it was more about just making sequels. Um, And then, of course, North America got hold of it. It's like let's just make all the monster movies in the universe and. This feels like like the direct like reboot of Gojira, like the original 1950s Gojira. Like this feels like it's in playing in that same exact wheelhouse. I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure it's probably reusing some of the score because the music sounded eerily familiar. It's it's so good. Like it is exactly what a Godzilla movie 
like has always promised to be. It's like it it's it has a social message. It has a, a strong social message, and it happens to be a monster movie as well. And it legitimately made me teary eyed. Like I was not. I saw the reviews. I saw people like it made me cry. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Okay, I got fucking teary eyed. I agree, I admit it's really fucking good. Like really, 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 really good. Godzilla looks amazing. He looks like Godzilla, not like American Godzilla, like real Godzilla. And there's a really, really good story that's really emotional and really great. And it was subtitled and there were people in the audience and we all got excited at the end. And I we stayed through the credits. Didn't understand half of them because there were no subtitles in the credits. But that final credit card is amazing. Amazing. I still don't understand the title. <laughs> I will say that. I turned to Dan and I'm like, does that mean there's one less Godzilla? So there are multiple Godzillas? Like, I'm not sure what the title means, but it's so good, guys. It's so good. <sighs> so good there's so many that it won't hit penticton and i'm so pissed okay at 2500 screens that's got to be opening in penticton not according to my screens (laughs) (laughs) and and that's my exasperated list okay 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 i i'm gonna be the the letterbox douche guy again you saw killers of the flower moon i gotta ask about it you didn't talk about it you didn't talk about it i'm just kind of curious (laughs) i'm kind of curious so this is the conversation that dan and i had leading up to killers of the fire this is the conversation dan and i have with every screener that comes in i'm like hun do you want to see this and he looks at it and he's like "Eh, maybe not i'm like okay so i'll watch this so they go into different piles right so this one came in and i'm like do you want to see this he's like oh it's gonna be so sad it's the one I'm laughing, but I'm laughing because of Dan. I'm not laughing about the subject matter to be perfectly clear off the bat. Cause Dan's like, it's the movie about genocide. Like, I really don't know if I want to watch this. I'm like, well, it's totally up to you, but you got to tell me. Cause I need to cut out three and a half hours. Like I need to carve three and a half hours out of my time. If we're going to watch this thing together or if we're not going to watch it together. So we, we watched it last night. It's good. I don't know if it's great. Um, I think I'm more, I, I listened to uh, you and Adrian talk about it. And I think I'm more on your level of excitement on than on Adrian's level of excitement. I thought it was really fantastic. Uh, I thought the story was really great. The, the, the end uh, like sort of cap with the, the, the person who shows up. Yeah. Well, I thought was really hilarious because I was totally not expecting it. And I had kind of forgotten that there was something coming. And then when I saw him, I was like, oh yeah, the guys talked about this. Um, I thought it was really good. I don't know if it needs to be that long, but then I couldn't quite figure out where they would make any cuts either. Um, and Alma, she's fucking brilliant, man. You can't, you can't out edit Thelma. No, and that's the thing. Like, every once in a while, I was like, it feels really long. Like, it's really long, but it doesn't really, it doesn't feel three and a half hours. And then you think, but like, what would you leave out? You, everything is kind of essential to the story that she's telling, that's being told. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Um, my favorite moments, though, were definitely DiCaprio and De Niro kind of like sniping at each other because there's always this kind of undercurrent of like one is smarter than the other but one is also not quite as stupid as he like plays out to be and i hate to admit it because dicaprio has kind of turned i kind of think of him as this like 
and I find him kind of douchey just in real life. So I'm kind of, I'm always kind of skeptical. I'm like, eh, I don't really want to like him, but he's really good here. Like he really does play that kind of mumbling doofus that isn't quite with it, but it kind of understands more than he's letting on. And it's, is it supposed to be kind of funny? Cause I kind of thought that some of the, some of it was just like the stupidity of the fact that he's always fucking up. Cause he's just so not with what's happening. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, I, I liked it. I liked okay. that. No, I, I was just curious. I just, yeah, no, to... I liked that. Okay, cool. It is winning best editing though. Uh, probably it's, it's winning that award. Thelma's oh, probably, probably better. Yeah. Um, I mean, she's, she's a big part of what keeps that movie together. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, like, thanks, thanks, guys, for letting me go last because I got nothing to fucking talk about. Now, covered all the this last episode, so I, I will talk about Fly, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon because I haven't yet. Um, I, I, so what I, I, I did really take to heart, like, I read um, uh, Devery Jacobs' kind of scathing Twitter review of the film, um, and I completely take her point to heart that. You know, the story of the Osage, like, I would still really like to see this story from the Osage perspective, but that is definitely not Martin Scorsese's story to tell. And I did like, that is one of the things I thought was really great about this movie is he lo- he kind of, he uses his position and his platform to tell the story he's allowed to tell, which is the story of shitty settler white men. Yes who pretended to be friends of mm-hmm. indigenous people to fuck them over. Yeah. yeah. When they managed to somehow make money out of land that they were left purposely to try and disenfranchise them economically. And they miraculously found oil and became the richest people in the world, the vultures that descended upon them. And like, just the things of like putting people into like declaring people unfit to manage their own money, forcing them to have a white person, uh, manage their finances for them so they were all getting swindled that whole idea of like osage prices that they were being swindled from every vendor in the whole territory um this the 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 story about Ernest, like because you get this sense in the film that he supposedly loves his wife but it's like you know you've got to know you're poisoning her like you have mm-hmm. to know this mm-hmm. You know, one, yeah, and that, and that's the thing that I was also grappling with. I actually was really like, and I had I th- I I'm with your point a hundred and ten percent because I mean, I think Scorsese has made the movie he's allowed to make, but yeah. there's a way bigger story that I think is way more interesting that still remains to yeah. be told, and that's a story that somebody else needs to tell. And I'm fully on board with that. And those are the most interesting parts for me of the movie that are kind of like just like passed over and you're right. Like the fact that clearly he knows he's doing, he knows he's doing bad. I mean, he's constantly like circumventing his uncle to like, his uncle's clearly telling him you need to do this for this reason. And, but it's also some of the times I'm like, I was confused about who was, who, who was connected to who there was no explanation as to why some people were having to have these white minders and others weren't. It wasn't, totally obvious that these white men were just marrying these women 
to kill them and take their money. You don't think that was obvious? I I thought that was very, but I mean, I guess I read the book too, like long before I saw this movie. I think it Um, becomes obvious, but it's not obvious until the, until her, the, the, the husband marries her second sister, like the same guy marries the other sister. And I was like, okay, well now it's clear what the fuck is going on here. And it's really sad and disgusting. But I mean, I think there was stuff that was a little bit, wishy-washy there that I didn't fully like get and maybe it was just also it was late maybe I wasn't fully into it like I don't know I have no excuse but I think that for me the things that weren't covered were way more interesting than some of the stuff that was I don't know did I stop? I'm sorry. I feel like I ended this conversation and I don't feel, I didn't feel like that was warranted. I don't, I mean, I think, I think that, I think the utter exploitation and the, the, just this, just the disgusting level of parasitic exploitation that happened was sort of the point of the, of the movie. Mm-hmm. I think like the other thing that I was a huge takeaway was, you know, when they, when they read the letter, his letter from prison at the end of the film, and he's talking about how he's still a great friend to the Osage and it's like you conspired to murder people, to swindle them out of their money, out of their land. Like it's just, it's such a raw, like microcosm representation of white settler behavior. And that the fact that you, you can still, like, with a straight face, claim to be friends to these people because in your head, this is fine because they're a dying, they're a dying race of people. So um, what I like it, it like it, it yeah, it's I it, just seeing this film as like a microcosm, like a, a small, tiny microcosm of the cultural uh genocide that was committed against indigenous people in these territories and in other territories. Um, I, I think it was a power, I think it's a powerful film. I think it's powerful that Marty made it because of the platform that he has. Um, but even saying that I still do believe we need to hear, we need more stories from indigenous people. And, and to be honest, like I'm in some ways, I'm glad that Marty did this because I don't, I don't think that indigenous people should have to tell all of the stories of all of their pain and all of their losses. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that should, I don't think we should saddle indigenous storytellers with just with that, you know, like I, I I still want to see like, other stories of indigenous joy and indigenous resilience and indigenous strength, um, you know, aside from, aside from like these shitty, these shitty behaviors. Cause it's like, frankly, it's us white settlers that have to come to terms with this history. It's not yeah. them. Mm-hmm. They, they've, they've spent, they've spent, you know, centuries trying to get, get past this heel from what's going on. And it's actually us that need to really take, take the stronger look at it and the, the, and take a stronger look at our own complicity in it. And so like I do as, as much as I, as much as I, I, I hear and I see what Devery was saying in her critique, I do like, I also see some value in the fact that it was Martin Scorsese that told this story. Well, that, that makes me miss um, Jeff Burnaby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was the guy to tell strong stories. I mean, and he's not alone. There were other filmmakers that also, yeah, like, but other other there, stories that, yeah, one that hit with me big time was his yeah. work. Yeah, yeah, but no, I fully agree. Fully agree. I mean, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I liked it. <laughs>
I thought it was, I, I, I think the message is more important than um, my enjoyment of the movie in one way or the other. I, 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 get, I from, from here now, I would like to see what comes next. Cause I mean, I, I was surprised to see that um, Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese are actually executive producers on Maestro, which surprised me. I did not see that coming. Um, I would like to see them step up behind indigenous filmmakers. Like give you've done, you've, you've started, you've opened the door for those stories to be told. Now give those individuals the ability and the platform to tell the stories that they want to tell. Like you have the power to do it. You have the power to open those doors and elevate those filmmakers and those storytellers. Let them, let them have their moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll also say like Lily Gladstone is incredible in this film. I mean, she's she's incredible in everything. And it's been so nice. Like since the strike, um, since the strike was over now, she's kind of able to use the platform that this film gives her to talk about other projects that are more, um, that are indigenous stories that are indigenous led productions. Um, and so, so that, like, I think that's, that's also pretty great. And like, she's going to walk away with an Oscar for this film, whether they nominate her for best actress or best supporting actress. I just can't see. Um, and it's well-deserved. Yeah. Um, and it's, well-deserved. It's, such a, it's such a brilliantly, like there, she just conveys so much without even saying anything. There's like, mm-hmm. there's such an incredible, incredibly powerful physicality to her performance. Um and yeah, just I just think she's completely brilliant. And it, like the 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 scene in the film where she sees him for what he is is so great. Like, I, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I just I just think she's I just think Lily's brilliant. Give her all the roles. Give her all the platforms. Let her do whatever she wants. She has such a power in this movie that is undeniable. As soon as she makes her entrance onto the screen, there's a there's just a. I don't know, like just like a knowledge within her that is is so incredible to see. And I love how she toys with everybody, it seems yeah. like. It, it, it's so well put together. And I mean, by the time that she hopefully will win an Academy Award for this one, because she really, I think she really deserves it. She'll already be probably an independent spirit winner for the Quantum Cowboys that she wrote. So that you brought up uh, as well. So. Yeah, I think because uh, the Independent Spirit Award nominations just came out yesterday or the day before, and yeah, she's heavily favored right now. So I also she was so great in um, in this last season of Reservoir Dogs or, or sorry Reservation Dogs too. Um, I it, yeah uh, Reservoir Dogs was terrible. Reservation. <laughs> <laughs> Mine slip. It's late on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. Was sliding into the lighter hours. Wasn't she also in the the Kelly Reichert film? uh, Certain certain, women. Yeah, she was incredible in that film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Crushing on Kristen Stewart, just like the rest of us. (laughs) All right, absolutely. Um, Also, with the Independent Spirit Awards, uh, showing up is the movie that's getting awarded this year. The the entire cast. So Nice. nice. Yeah, I think very deserving. Yeah. Bill, what's coming next? I look to you and I think of what, what's what's opening soon. Bill will know. Okay, so, okay, so we're we're, 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 right on, we're right on a weekend, so I'll I'll just say the ones that are opening this weekend because I don't know what what we're actually going to be doing. So, uh, uh, Boy in the Heron finally opens. Most of us have seen it. I think we were all mixed to middling on it, but I think I liked it more than the two others that have seen it. Steve hasn't seen it. I don't think. Nope. 
No. Uh, so we'll look forward to hearing what he thinks about that. Uh, Godzilla. Uh, can't wait to see it. Seeing it tomorrow. Marina. Uh, High recommendation. Uh, yeah. Uh, poor Things Opens. Very limited, like on yeah, two screens. I won't be getting that we one. Get, we get that. Uh, I'll, more of that in a minute. Uh, December 15th, Wonka. Uh, okay, good so review saw- so far. Good reviews. Ehrlich gave it a good review, and well, that's you, a big one because he's know, super cynical. You know what's funny is I read I saw an article t- today about how Willy Wonka is the unsexiest role ever, and <laughs> giving it to like the the strangely the, one of the sexiest men alive. I don't think he is, but like generally speaking, you know, he's got appeal. And and they're like in his career, survive Wonka. I think Which he'll be fine. I think, I I think he'll I be think fine. Timmy will be fine. I think he'll be okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't think you need to worry about Timothy Chalamet. Honestly, I think everything's there is good. no Wonka for me aside. From, it's Gene Wilder or nothing. I have like I have no <laughs> interest in anyone else playing Wonka ever. I, I just it looks so weird. I don't know if I can get behind this movie. Paul King. That's why I could get behind it. Speaking of Mr. Chalamet, supposedly there's a new Dune trailer next week. Ooh, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. ready. I'm ready. I, I'm still geeking. It. I, I still watch the Furiosa one once a day. <laughs> I, okay, wait. The Furiosa trailer hit like on a low for me. I was so disappointed by that trailer. And I think it was expectation because when Fury Road, that trailer came out, it was like it'd been however many years since a Mad Max movie. And mm-hmm. it was so new and fresh. And everything was like, holy fuck, mind blowing. And Furiosa comes along and it's like, it's like Fury Road, but it's Furiosa. There's like nothing new in that trailer. Am I the only one that feels underwhelmed? I'm excited for Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> it is, I mean, I, I love. It looks I, so I, interesting. I, I mean, to me. I love George Miller. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just. Yeah. I saw that trailer and I was like, "This is not the trailer I expected." <laughs> Sorry, I diverted again. Uh, so, also on the 15th, uh, American Fiction opens. We just talked about it. It's very good. Uh, Marina saw Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget last episode and said so it was good. good. Said it was good. Yep. Uh, Zone of Interest opens. It's incredible. Ooh. I just never want to watch it again. No, I have to watch it for the first time, and I am that, not looking forward to this. That movie charred my bones. Like, a, <laughs> it just left a, just a fucking stink on me. It really. I'm did. gonna have to drink heavily after that movie. <laughs> You're telling me to wash away the stink. It's. Oh, I, I the trailer I, is creep creeps me out, we, man. Well, it'll be really interesting to talk about this movie because I had like visceral feelings about this movie. Yeah, it was a four or five shower film. Yeah, that's exactly what you said to me after. <laughs> I just don't. I don't know if I can handle watching a, a Holocaust movie in the middle of another genocide. Like, I just don't know if I can. It's yeah. just oddly genius. It, it is, and it's Glazer just. Yeah, just just exploring his own path. It's crazy. I, it's bold. I, was it you that said that he's the closest to Kubrick we have? Yeah, yeah. I I feel it with Zone of Interest. I really feel it. Yeah, it's a pretty intense film. Uh, December twentieth, Maestro hits Netflix. So if you don't have a chance to see it theatrically, you'll be able to see it there. Uh, December twenty second, uh, Poor Things goes wide. So hopefully everybody gets to see it then. I don't know. Uh, Aquaman. <laughs> I, I love it. I can't wait. 
Uh, okay. Uh, I don't know. Just I've heard some shit. I've heard Dude, some shit. I mean, it, it doesn't fucking matter at this point. And it's it's, who, it, it's, it, it, it's Jason Momoa having a good time. I saw, I, I, I read something or heard something in passing the other day that Momoa actually was the one that approached James Wan about doing a sequel because he had an idea for a follow-up story. And like, at this point, they're just wasting Warner Brothers money, having a good time. Just bring it. It looks fun. If did nothing it, else, it looks fun. Did it involve him being uh, face down in a puddle with Barry Allen? Oh, for fuck's sake. Hey, <laughs> sorry, Steve. We're, we're sorry. Not, we're, we're oh, not that scab ripped off so cleanly. Holy shit. Uh, anyone but you, starring Glenn Powell and Sydney Sweeney. The, nope. ca- the counter programming of the uh, Christmas season uh, looks okay. I saw that trailer on, t- on Thursday before a silent night, and I uh, just, I don't know. No, Haven't we seen that. this movie before? Yes. Haven't we seen this before, like Probably. multiple times? Uh, illumination. What a formula. <laughs> illumination has a new movie called Migration. Migration, yeah, which yeah, no but... one has seen. I, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I know somebody has seen it, but I don't know who's seen it because I haven't talked to anybody that has seen it. <laughs> uh, All of Us Strangers is limited. Uh, uh, I need that movie. In I my need life. that movie too. It looks yeah. incredible. Uh, everybody's saying Andrew Scott's. The, the big male performance of the year, maybe. And he's lovely. Yes. And it, it's about time that he got like that high profile recognition because yeah. he doesn't need it. He's hot priest. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I life. guess he is. I guess he is on a top echelon level because Fleabag really did make it to that level. Uh, fucking- so. And and not just not just Fleabag, he was also Moriarty and Sherlock. Yeah. I, I, I know, I know, but he's just like he's more of a guy. major piece on Fleabag, and Fleabag hit like a like a zeitgeist like napalm for a bit. So I don't know. Top priest for life. Sorry. <laughs> just uh, for us. Life. This is this is my role today. Just we want to go. We want to go a few more. Uh, so lollies are limited. So uh, Iron Claw limited. Yeah. New Sean Durkin film about the Von Erics looks incredible. Yeah. Everyone yeah. looks so strange now. I really, I yeah. The jaw, the jaw is really beefed up. Listen, you said Sean Durkin, and I'm like, bring it on. I will watch whatever he wants to give me. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a filmmaker that I'm, I'm, I know, Marina and I really like. Michelle Franco has a new film called Memory coming out. Well, I've really, heard good stuff about yeah. memory. Yeah. And he's he's an intense filmmaker. He is. Yeah, I really like uh, his last was Sundown. That film was rad. He's Sundown, that's the Tim Roth one, right? Yeah, that movie's oh, rad. That movie <laughs> is so unpredictable. Yeah. I was on the I was, you know what they're all I was on the edge of my seat, and you're like, no, fuck that movie. I was on the edge of my seat. Like and yeah. all of his movies are kind of like at that intense Ooh. level. He's something that, else. And that ending, good God! Holy <laughs> shit! So, yeah. uh, so supposedly the new Zack Snyder film Rebel Moons having like a limited edition IMAX screening. They shot it, it for IMAX. They better yeah. get it on that fucking okay. IMAX. So we better be careful with these talks about Zack Snyder here. I'm just warning. The everybody. Snyder Bros are coming for us. Yeah, yeah they're always on. listening. They're always Listen, listening. They can they're come for me the all they walls. want. They can come for me all they want because I am a Zack Snyder fan. So they have to fight me for it. Okay, no, it's just it's me is one of the ones they're coming for then because I'm 
definitely said my fair share of shit about the guy. <laughs> that, that's okay. That's okay. I'll be bal- the balancing act on the other side. <laughs> so fair. yeah, supposedly it's playing uh, IMAX and then going to like Netflix a couple days later. It's like opening on Christmas Day on Netflix. Yeah. I will and say I'm still interested in it. I, I think it looks like he's trying to make a Star Wars movie. That's exactly it. Whatever. I'm, I'm down with it. <laughs> I'll watch it. Uh, and on, on a Christmas day, because I don't know when we're recording, so I decided to save us anyway. Uh, Maria already talked about Boys in the Boat. Uh, she said it's good. I've heard a lot of really bad things about Color Purple, but that trailer drove me fucking nuts. Uh, Ferrari. Maria already talked about it. And my, a re- a really, my deflating moment of the episode. <laughs> and a really cool film I saw at VIF that I probably haven't talked about called The Teacher's Lounge. Mm. That movie rules. Uh, it's going to be, a, I think, a big foreign film nominee. Uh, wait for If you get a chance to see that one, it's really good. So, yeah, that's about it. Anybody got any ideas on what we want to... Well, obviously it's a Zack Snyder film. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, Monster also opened on the first... Um, I think that should be in the conversation for best foreign for mm-hmm. sure. It probably will uh, be, I would guess. That was well, it was my favorite of Vif this year. So um I love Karita. So anything he does is like I put it on a pedestal and worship it. The uh, long the long list, the long list is floating around. They released the long list for foreign film, animated feature documentary and vfx um so that list is floating around and i'm pretty sure monster is on that good good it deserves it like broker deserved it and it deserves it so i was a suggestive steve can actually get it it'd be poor things Mm -hmm. yeah i would love to for that to be the one but we'll see and if if not poor things maybe wonka everybody will be able to see it Make, you're gonna make me go and watch the fucking Timothy Chalamet movie. <laughs> well, if you have, if you have a better idea, like it's there's some big prestige films, but I just don't think Steve will have a chance to see them. Yeah, well, uh, I can play it by ear a little bit to see what yeah. I get out here. At this point, I have all my listings up to the 14th, and and uh, yeah, the only one that's appearing on those is Wonka so far. Well, let's which I've had my ticket for three weeks for so. Okay, you guys can watch Wonka, and I'll just rewatch Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. (laughs) Melissa, I'm coming over. We're watching it together. Only if the the, if the the, this is a visual thing, but only if the whole time you just do this thing (laughs) while we're talking about it. I'll, I I'll rewatch Bones and all. Thank you. Oh my god, I I did see an interview with. Oh, I'm not going to remember his name now. And I, I started the sentence now. I feel like I need to finish it. The guy that was in love, actually, Hugh Grant. So Hugh Grant <laughs> plays one of the... He's, he plays the Oompa Loompa. Oompa Loompa. Yeah, he plays the Oompa Loompa. <laughs> so he said he had a terrible time making the movie. He really didn't want to do it. But he, quote, I have lots of kids and I need it. Yeah, but this is that's Hugh Grant's whole thing now. Is He's just he's leaning fucking heavily into being an asshole. Yeah. But, he says he doesn't remember making dungeons and dragons and he's so much fun in that movie that movie is great i i still i I love that movie i I got a cheap 4k on that on on black friday i was very happy oh it's so worth it too so worth it it. everything still works on the second and third watch through it's so yeah it's a lot of fun it is a lot of yeah yeah so we will uh link to 
all the stuff we talked about in the show notes at atcpa.ca. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another show, maybe before Christmas, maybe after Christmas. We don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, guys, where can people find you? Uh, I'll go first. Why not? Uh, I am Bill Harris. I am on Letterboxd at SoundJam69. Also, my Twitter handle. I have another podcast, The Green Screen of Death. I think we're recording pretty soon, which is like three shows in like three months. My God, the horror. Uh, if you're looking for a really awesome TV show to watch, The Curse is really incredible. Very uncomfortable watch. Very, mm-hmm. un- but I love it. I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Uh, everybody, we're getting close to list season. I love me some lists. Watch some, <laughs> watch some films, make your own choices, and let's get some lists. Thank you very much. Okay, Have so I think this, this year I'm doing a, <laughs> I'm going to do a top five of just animated films because I think it's deserving. But whatever. Yeah, yeah uh, Robot can, Dreams at number one. <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> I don't know, dude. Suzume really had me. So it might be a tough call for one and two. But right. uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. That's basically where I'm spending my time these days. Literally. Uh, the marina. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, that's that's the only place to find me. And on Instagram at the marina, too. I don't do the rest of the social medias. Melissa? Um, I guess what I'm at Melzy Melzy, I think on Letterboxd or Melissa McDowell, you can look up either one. Um, and I, I have a Twitter account or an X account or whatever the hell it is for now, but I keep feeling like I'm going to delete it. So I won't bother. <laughs> uh, I am at the Steeple dead on X, uh, Instagram and Letterboxd, uh, and threads, I believe as well. Um, my website stevestepping.ca uh sadly the shift was canceled last week so i'm no longer longer, uh internet or nationally syndicated anymore so that means i can come onto your podcast whoever is listening i'll be a podcast whore i think i I have the free time for it now so uh um, but I've also with the host of the shift, uh, Shane Hewitt, through his YouTube channel, we're continuing on my segment in a video podcast form. So still doing a little stuff there, just not on the uh, national radio level because um, cost cutting and cheapness, we'll say. Um, but that's about it. Enough griping for me. And that's it. So until next time. Hack the planet. Hack the planet. Thank you.